You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH, and you can find the show handle at Locked On Hornets. We'll continue our conversation with John Fokey. We'll also get to the Hornets' purple jersey reveal later on in the show. You know I'm a huge fan. I want to talk about that a little bit later on. NBA.com as well has an article I want to share with you towards the end. But first, we'll continue that conversation with John Fokey right now as we dig in during his time in Minnesota. So Kevin Garnett, obviously quite the character. I don't know if you were there long enough, John, to give us a Kevin Garnett story, whether it was an interesting interview or just being around him. But what was your experience just personally working alongside or working with the same organization that Kevin Garnett played for? Well, I had uh, was lucky enough that when I was a senior in college, I interned at uh, the local sports radio station in Minneapolis. And that would have been in the 2001-2002 season. So right as uh, KG was really becoming, you know, just a force and eventually going on to win MVP and uh, just a couple of years later winning MVP and, and teaming up with Sam and Spree and taking that team to the Western Conference Finals. And so I covered the team a lot during the 0-1-0-2 season. And then off and on after that, when I was uh, starting my career in southern Minnesota and would come up whenever I got off nights to cover the team. And uh, the one thing about KG, I remember during that, you know, way back the 2001-2002 season was uh, he was always the last guy out of the locker room. You know, always the last guy to come speak to the reporters. And we always had to wait because he was the guy that you wanted to hear from. And he would come out and he always had stacks of video and was always watching video and carrying it with him onto the plane or wherever he was going. And, you know, we're talking like big VHS type videos still. Uh, and luckily he had massive hands to be able to carry all those tapes out of there. But uh, his post-game interviews were hilarious. I mean, he was so good at engaging uh, with the with the media and with the fans. And uh, I remember one, so I was working for KFAN. I was interning there, uh, the sports station that was the flagship for the Timberwolves at the time. And uh kg and i'm trying to remember who else was in the scrum but there was just a handful of us that waited around and one of the guys was there from a local tv station and uh he was a fun guy had a great personality and he and kg were kind of going back and forth and kevin started giving him the business telling him basically like you know you never show up anymore you only show up when we win and the guy's like no 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 i'm serious and Kevin was, you know, he was kind of swearing every other word, basically. And he kept grabbing my microphone and going, I'm sorry, K-Fam. I'm sorry, K-Fam. And that turned into a bite that K-Fam still uses to this day. Like, I went back to the station that night. I edited it up. And it's one of their, uh, you know, one of their bumpers or one of their their, uh, hot keys that something happens or somebody screws up. They always hit this button and says, sorry, K-Fam. Um and it was it was hilarious just sitting there. I mean, I was laughing so hard during this whole thing because, you know, I mean, we know Kevin's a, an amazing trash talker uh, on the court, but he was he was giving it to this guy. They were having a lot of fun going back and forth. And I think what what slayed me about that whole thing was 
when everybody finally settled down and we started going through the interview, uh, this guy's phone rang in the middle of the interview. And oh, no. uh, you should have just seen the look that Kevin gave him. And, oh, man, it was it was too funny. But uh, there were plenty of other moments, you know, when KG came back to the franchise uh, after that trade uh, that sent Thaddeus Young to Brooklyn and Kevin returned to the franchise. Uh, he offered some great moments as well. I remember one time asking him about, uh, about like the young guys and, and what practices are like. And I remember he looked at me and goes, you know what it's like, man? It's like taking a box full of puppies and shaking it up and seeing them just go at it and, and run around. And, and they have so much energy. And we're all like, what? <laughs> you know, like shaking boxes of puppies around. It seems like everybody should be able to do that. Yeah, Come everybody on. knows Like that. everyone, like everyone does. Yeah, like they just they, they get so wound up apparently. Um, but yeah, he was he was outstanding. And, you know, the other thing, too, I, I think that that in terms of of watching Kevin, especially in that second go round was, man, did that guy work hard with with the, the, the young Timberwolves players? I mean, Gorgie Jang is uh, one of the greatest guys. I love Gorgie. And uh, he just gets called for traveling a lot. I mean, it seemed like every time Gorgie would go into a move or something, he'd get whistled for a travel. And when KG was there after practice every day, those two would work on it. And Garnett would set up cones so that as Gorgie would go into his move, uh, if he traveled, he'd, he'd kick a cone or he'd kick a, a shoe or something. And Kevin worked so hard with them. And then working on defending the pick and roll, I remember many practices afterwards where he had guys over there and he was talking, yeah, we hear the term all the time. You got to tag somebody on the pick and roll, but watching Kevin walk these guys through it and show them how physical you have to be and how connected you have to be and how, you know, as you go into this, you've got to be not only grabbing the guy you're guarding, but you've got to be grabbing your teammate to make sure he can get through the screen and all these different things. And so, you know, as, as a basketball fan and, and certainly a fan of his growing up in Minnesota, it was fascinating to watch and really see how he was trying to impart that knowledge and, and work with those guys in his second tour with the Wolves. We'll take our first break. We have plenty more John Fokey in the second segment of today's show. Support for today's show comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt men's grooming. You may have seen Manscaped on Shark Tank and Men's Journal named their Lawnmower 2.0 as one of the best tools in men's grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That is LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. More John Fokey after the break. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Did he go with Myers Leonard as his first comparison as a big man hitting from the three-point line? Oh, Funny. did I say Leonard? I meant uh, Miles Turner. Okay. <laughs> you did. I think okay. you said Miles Leonard. That was Leonard. on me. Good sorry about that. That's a bad mistake. I know what I think shooting big men. Myers Leonard is the first guy that comes to mind. Absolutely. I was thinking Steve Clifford and I might be Hot the shot. same wavelength. Hot shot. There. Myers Leonard. <laughs> that's, that's his nickname. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Hey, John, uh, let's talk about you for a second. Uh, do you think a lot about your play-by-play style? Did you study certain guys? Did you learn from certain guys in terms of uh, the, just the philosophy of the play-by-play position? Well, I think I listen to everybody, to be honest. I, I know there's some play-by-play guys that don't want to listen to anyone because they don't uh, want to be influenced or don't want to accidentally pick up a, a call or something from somebody. But 
I've just been fascinated with it my whole life. And, and I love listening to different guys. And obviously in Minnesota, I was incredibly fortunate to work so closely with Alan Horton, who is, uh, you know, in my mind, one of the best play-by-play guys in the NBA, because uh, I listened to Alan for, I mean, if you think about it, 12 years. And for the first four of those, he also did the WNBA. So I've listened to well over a thousand games that Alan Horton has called, and I've never gotten bored. Now, I didn't have the option to turn the radio off, but <laughs> but I never got bored uh, listening to him. And I just love Alan's style and uh, how he incorporates use of advanced statistics and his storytelling and all these things. Uh, and he was such a great resource to me then, and he, and he still is now. I mean, he and I still chat every couple of weeks about all sorts of different stuff, but he's someone that uh, when I took over doing the links, um, I would sit down with them sometimes and say, hey, uh, this play happened, and I didn't know – I had no idea how to describe it. How would you describe it? And he would take me through something that, that he would say, or we'd talk through the play and be like, oh, okay. Um, or it could be something else, like I'm trying to research some different statistics, and uh, he's got all sorts of these numbers, and I can go to him and say, where do you find these? Or – what of all these, what are the most important, that kind of stuff. So he's been a great resource. I don't know if you guys remember Tom Hanneman, who was the uh, longtime television play-by-play voice for the Timberwolves, but uh, Tom's a a dear, dear friend and someone who, again, um, in terms of being a mentor was, you know, we had offices next to each other and I could walk in there at any time and uh, talk about broadcasting, talk about, excuse me, the, uh, the history of the team, the franchise. I mean, Tom was there from day one, uh, worked alongside Kevin Harlan, learned a lot from Kevin, and uh, I learned a lot from Tom. And so those guys I look at as kind of like, uh, you know, your mentors in terms of, of landing at the professional level. And then, you know, I, I just really enjoy listening to everybody. And it could be baseball announcers. It could be football announcers. It could be hockey announcers. Um, Obviously, basketball, I've got that Sirius XM and the NBA Audio League pass and on my way home or, you know, on an off night or whatever, you're, you're cleaning up the kitchen, just constantly listening to other guys because there are so many talented broadcasters across the NBA and each of them has their own style and uh, how they go about doing things and how they incorporate an analyst or if they don't have an analyst, how they use advanced statistics, um, all these different things. And so I think um it, listening to everybody gives me just different perspective and you learn something every time um you know how does this guy uh call you know a certain thing or pronounce a guy's name a certain way or those types of things I mean, you can learn constantly so um you know growing up i think it was marv albert kevin harlan we were so lucky to have kevin doing timberwolves games um and i've had an opportunity to meet kevin and it was just like you know, they always say, don't meet your hero, but uh, getting to meet my, my broadcasting hero last year at the National Sports Media Association convention um, was outstanding. Uh, I was there as the Minnesota Sportscaster of the Year. Kevin was there as the National Sportscaster of the Year, and we had an opportunity to catch up a little bit and just talk about, you know, the old days in Minnesota when he was there and all sorts of stuff. And, um, you know, those guys are, are incredible. And I just think, you now outside of what they do on a game to game basis, what's amazing to me and what I love asking these guys about is number one, how they prepare and number two, how they critique themselves. And 
again, everybody does it differently, but at the end of the day, these guys are the best of the best, and it's really fun to get to listen to them, get to know them, and, and get to learn from them all. No, Kevin Harlan probably is my favorite. If you were to ask me what guy is my favorite, I think Kevin Harlan is the number one guy. I mean, he's he's amazing, so versatile, and so good. Talk about never being bored. Kevin Harlan is certainly my favorite guy as well. And, John, I'm, I'm going to ask you one more question before we get you out of here. Thank you so much for your time. Just overall, yeah. uh, what can we expect in, in any uh, other responsibilities you have with the organization? Any podcast or anything else that you might be doing with the Charlotte Hornets that we can expect uh, as the season comes along? Yeah, we're working on a podcast right now. Looking forward to uh, to rolling that out. Kind of did like a soft launch with uh, with the schedule release where we talked about Rachinsky of Hornets dot com, and then as we talked about James Borrego and, and Cody Zeller and some other folks breaking down the schedule. But uh, that'll be coming out um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. We'll start to get that rolling, and you know, looking forward to that. It'll just be kind of a uh, you know, a, a lot of different things where we're going to talk in depth with some of the players and coaches. We're going to do some features. We've got some uh, history highlights and stuff. It'll be different every week and trying to really just take fans uh, behind the scenes a little bit, get to know these guys. Um, you know, in addition to talking hoops and all that, we'll get to know their backgrounds and learn a little bit more about them. So um, I'm looking forward to it because, like I said before, it's an opportunity for me uh, to get to know these guys. You know, I think Hornets fans, some of them uh, have known these guys for a while and, and know their backstories, but, uh, you know, there's new people arriving in Charlotte all the time. And so to tell these stories and uh, get to know these guys and, and talk about who they are as, as people in addition to being basketball players is going to be a ton of fun. So really looking forward to that and then just helping out wherever I can. I mean, uh, Hornets.com. If those guys need anything, um, you know, I'll be lending a hand there and then uh, looking forward to getting the, the season going. I mean, we got all five preseason games that we'll be doing on the radio and then obviously getting underway October 23rd with uh, that game against Chicago and then the home game against Minnesota before that West Coast trip. So a lot of preparation right now, trying to get uh, get your game boards ready and, and get to know all these guys across the NBA and, um update everything with everybody who is switching teams this off season. So uh, plenty going on right now, plenty more to come once we get closer to the season. All right. He's John Fokey. He's the new voice of the Charlotte Hornets uh, radio network as well as you can find him on Twitter at JW Fokey. That's F O C K E. John, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for being so gracious with it. Absolutely. Good to talk to you guys. This is Locked on Hornets. 10, Al Jefferson. 9, Anthony Mason. 8, Gerald Wallach. 7, Baron Davis. 6, Dale Curry. 5, Glenn Rice. 4, Muggsy Bogues. 3, Larry Johnson. 2, Alonzo Mourning. Nice. Number 1, top Charlotte Hornet of all time, Kimba Walker. Thank you, everybody. The list is done. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. The Charlotte Hornets have made people very happy with their latest reveal. I know they made me happy. I know they made Doug happy. I don't think they made Nada all that happy. It seems like he may have changed his mind with a couple of other tweets that I've seen. But the Hornets decided that they are going to wear the purple pinstripe jerseys and are going to do so, I think, five times this season. You guys know the purple jerseys are my favorite. You saw Doug's tweet. I don't know if you did. Follow him at Doug Branson, LOH. Doug was excited putting 
Yes, <laughs> I can't even say it's like it's the Y A. I I feel silly saying it. The Y A, and then a million S's after it. That was Doug's reaction. Excited to see the purple jerseys. I myself am excited to see them. And look, we've all made the joke, at least in our head, if not out loud on Twitter, that they're not going to play good, but at least they're going to look good. Damn it, they are going to look good. Everybody loves the pinstripes. The purple and teal is phenomenal. The teal jersey pinstripes, they're great. Everybody loves them. The white, but the purple are my favorite. It reminds me, for some reason, I don't know why the players I think of are Anthony Mason and Vlade Divac the most. I don't know why I think of those guys. They got basketball cards with them wearing those jersey colors. But it just reminds me of that era. And I love every single second of it. The purple jerseys, man, they're amazing. And I'm so here for them. And it was the one thing they needed to do, right? To bring back some of the Charlotte Hornet classic jerseys. The Charlotte Hornet specifically. I know Nada has made a point to bring back some of the ABA culture, which would be cool. I'd be here for some Carolina Cougar jerseys. That'd be awesome. But they did not have the purple in their rotation last year. I thought it was a mistake, but at least maybe they're just going to release these types of things, give it to us in a little bit of a slow pace. I'm fine with that, as long as I get it. It's cool that we're going to get it this year. Dwayne Bacon being the guy that's going to showcase it. So pretty cool that they're going to showcase the purple jerseys this year. You know I'm a fan. You know Doug's a fan. I'm sure we can turn Nada around as well. Let's get to this NBA.com rookie survey. Some interesting questions asked to the rookies, and they had some interesting answers for us. So let's get to them. You know, the NBA Rookie of the Year when they ask all of the rookie class who they thought was going to win, of course, Zion Williamson wins with a 35% of the vote. So he gets a ton of the vote. A couple of guys that won more percentage in years past than 35% that Zion got. You have to go back to Jaleel Okafor in 2015. They were absolutely wrong on that. It was Jabari Parker in 2014. They were absolutely wrong on that. It was 53 for Jabari Parker 47 for Anthony Davis, 55 for Blake Griffin, who didn't win it, but would win it the next year, of course, when he was injured throughout his rookie season, and Kevin Durant. So at the time that they've been doing this, it's been since 2007, the rookies got it right with Kevin Durant in 2007, and they've been wrong every single year since. I would imagine they have a great opportunity to get this one right, voting Zion Williamson the rookie of the year. But who knows? Maybe somebody else can go get that award. And probably the most talked about question that you guys have seen, if you've paid any attention to this survey at all, the question asked, which rookie will have the best career? Cam Reddish actually won with 19% of the vote. John Morant got second place with 16% of the vote. DeAndre Hunter got 11% of the vote. And then you got R.J. Barrett getting 5%, Jackson Hayes getting 5%, Kobe White 5%, and then there's Zion Williamson tying with all of those guys at 5%. Interesting to see Cam Reddish get 19% of the vote. I got to tell you, though, I'm not really surprised. And I go back to a video that I saw circulating Twitter, and it had a bunch of these high school elite prospects that were going to be one-and-dones, whether they were one-and-dones this past year and then are going to the NBA. I forget some of the guys that were listed, but I did see some of the guys in high school that are going to go to college in 2020, You know, just the high school class 2019, 2020, some guys that are going to be enrolling in college in the next couple of years. And when asked who was the toughest guy that they ever had to guard, who was the one that gave them the business the most, they all mentioned Cam Reddish. 
it was just this montage of answers all featuring how hard Cam Reddish was to guard. Like, he's got the respect of a lot of those young guys. Remember, he comes in to that Duke class third overall. It was Zion Williamson was second. R.J. Barrett was first. We would soon find out that Zion Williamson was the best player on that Duke basketball team. But Cam Reddish came in as the third overall prospect. It was a disappointing season for him. He had a couple of good games. We saw the Florida State game where he was very good, also had the game-winning shot against the Seminoles. But you look at his shooting, which looked silky smooth. He's got a good stroke, but it wasn't a very good percentage this past season. You could see that he would shy away because he played with two other stars, and so that was one of the big knocks on him was that he just wasn't aggressive enough. And I think that was a legitimate concern for him heading to the NBA. But in high school, people were scared of that guy. Like, he gave them the business, and a lot of youth, a lot of the prospects coming out of high school, they straight up said, yeah, that guy was amazing. He was unbelievable. And you know when the high school ranks now, they all see each other because of AU basketball. They're all playing for a lot of the top programs. I'm sure you've heard of a lot of the top programs in high school basketball that you, you keep on seeing guys coming from. So they know each other well, and Cam Reddish was that guy. So I'm not surprised to see a lot of the rookies vote that Cam Reddish is going to be the best pro out of all of these guys in the rookie class. And remember, we were talking the best-case scenario of Cam Reddish is like a Paul George. It seems like that's what we were comparing him to the most. Now, he may never fill that potential with the way that he shied away from the spotlight at Duke a little bit, but you know that that talent is there. I'm interested to see what he's going to do in Atlanta. Cam Reddish is a guy, man. I, I hope he's able to put it all together because it, that size, that smooth, that ability to move the way he is with, with that kind of height, I, I think certainly uh, I, I think certainly he has that potential at least to be one of the best players out there. Which rookie was the best steal at where he was selected in the draft? Bull Bull got 19% of the vote. Also, Kevin Porter Jr. got 19% of the vote. I think I saw Kevin Porter Jr. playing at a – Jamal Crawford basketball camp, if I'm not mistaken, and he was phenomenal there. I saw that video kind of going around, making the rounds on Twitter as well. Carson Edwards, uh, along with Nas Little, Isaiah Roby, Kobe White, Grant Williams, all got 5% of the vote on who was the biggest steal. You keep on looking down the line. What rookie is the most athletic? Surprise, Zion Williamson got 87% of the vote. Brandon Clark got 8%, and then some mentions of Jackson Hayes and Kevin Porter Jr., but Zion Williamson just destroying the field in that regard. What rookie is the best shooter? Tyler Hero got 33%. Kyle Guy got 29%. Cameron Johnson got 13%. Ty Jerome got 8%, and Jordan Poole got 4%. So that was all the best shooters that the rookies had to say. What rookie is the best defender? No surprise here, probably, if you know anything about him out there on the West Coast. Matisse Thibault, 37%. Just an amazing zone defender running in that scheme over in Washington. Just an incredible knack for blocking shots from behind when maybe that ball would get in the middle and they would put up a shot, the opposing offense. Matisse would find a way to get a hand on it and have a ton of deflections, just a fantastic defender. But DeAndre Hunter also was put in there as well. Probably a good second-place getter. Brandon Clark, Jackson Hayes, Nas Little all got third place with getting 8% of the vote each. So those were all the best defenders according to the rookies and who they think will be the best defenders going forward. What rookie is the best playmaker? A lot of these guys are kind of 
obvious to me. John Morant gets 40% of the vote. Garland got 15%. Ty Jerome, Kobe White come in at receiving 10% of the vote as well as far as the best playmakers. Uh, What will be the biggest adjustment for you playing in the NBA? The rookie said it'll be the speed or the pace of the game. You hear that all the time. That got 40%. The physicality, the schedule, and the length of the season each got 21%. And also the lifestyle and time management got 12%. So that came in at fourth after a couple of those things tied for third. And And lastly here on this survey, what is the most important skill you need to develop? 32% said that shooting is the number one skill that needs to be developed. And I guess I do have one more question to get to as far as this rookie survey. It was who their favorite player is. LeBron James received 38% of the vote. Kevin Durant got 20%. Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard each got 8%. And Devin Booker, James Harden each got 5%. So that was the rookie survey. I thought really the main thing to get to there, though, was that the rookies all thought Cam Reddish was going to end up having the best career out of everybody. But it does make sense, right? Because we did see that video of high school prospects discussing how hard he was to guard and maybe Zion Williamson, maybe not even him not getting number one, but falling so far behind the likes of even not just Cam Reddish, but uh, uh, John Morant and even just being tied with like three other guys for third or fourth. That's incredible. So those were all the NBA rookie survey results. We do appreciate John Fokey for joining us the last couple of episodes that we did. That was a very long interview, so we decided to break that up for a couple of days. We do appreciate his time joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast, and we appreciate you guys for joining us on the Locked On Hornets podcast. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. And remember to tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Hornets. Thanks again for joining us. Hopefully we'll have Doug back with us on Thursday, as well as Nada. He can yell at me about the purple jerseys all he wants. I'm not changing my mind. We'll try to See if he can come on with us on Thursday again. It's the Locked on Hornets podcast, Locked on Podcast Network.